Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. So the other day, I discovered something weird. Okay, I came home after a long day of work. I opened up the door, and the house was quiet. Okay, now, I have a three-year-old daughter, so that's not a good thing. Right, parents of toddlers, you know that when the house is quiet, that's not a good thing. See, we pray all day long. We're like, Lord, please just give me some peace and quiet. And then when it's quiet, we have no peace because we know there's something wrong. I have a three-year-old girl. Her name is Esther's son. We like to call her Hurricane Esther because she is this big ball of energy and joy and chaos and cuteness all of the time. And so I came home, and I opened the door, and Hurricane Esther did not greet me at the door. And I thought, oh, no, something's wrong. So immediately, my mind goes into a very dark place. I'm like, oh, no, like, is the house on fire? Is Ashley okay? Did Esther skin the cat? Like, what's going on? Like, there's a problem here. And then I walk in, and everything was perfectly fine. Okay, Mama was sitting on the couch. Ruthie was sleeping. And Esther was sitting at her table, and she was watching her iPad. Now, here's the weird thing. Right? I asked her, I said, sweetie, what are you watching? And she says, Ryan, for those of you who are parents of toddlers, you know what I'm talking about, Ryan's toy review. Right? My beautiful three-year-old daughter has been sucked into the black hole that is Ryan's toy review, AKA crack for kids. <laughs> if you don't know what Ryan's toy review is, I'll, I'll explain it to you. It is a YouTube channel with a six-year-old boy And the whole premise of it is that he opens up boxes and he plays with toys. Like, that's it. Like, for like five, 10-minute episodes, all he's doing is playing with toys that people have given to him. He gets a gift, he opens the box, and then he just plays with the toy. And my daughter is fascinated by this. And she loves watching other people play with toys. Right? As a parent, this drives me insane. Now, this is a really big deal. Okay, just so you know, for those of you who, who are unaware, Ryan, last year in 2018, he made $22 million as a six-year-old kid, opening up boxes and playing with toys. He's got two million subscribers, that's $1 million per subscriber, a bajillion views, ad revenue. It is a massive market because kids today would rather watch other people play with toys than actually play with their own. Okay, as a parent, this drives me crazy because I think I'm a pretty decent dad, right? I love my little girls. I would do anything for them. I work hard. I provide for them. I love to give gifts to my kids. I mean, Esther, she's surrounded by toys at home. Like, when you walk in, you're stepping on a toy. I tripped and fell over a unicorn this morning. Like, our house is filled with toys. And I said, baby, don't you want to play with your toys? And she said, no. She would rather watch someone else open gifts than actually play with her own. Okay, And then it got me thinking, we do the same thing in the church. That when it comes to spiritual gifts, we watch others use theirs instead of discovering our own. 
See, God is a father. He loves to give gifts to his kids. He has blessed every single one of you. He has called every single one of you. He has chosen you, and he has given spiritual gifts to you. But so often, just like my daughter Esther, we would rather watch others use theirs than learn how to discover our own, that we have settled for becoming spectators in the church. We have settled for being consumers in the church, then realizing that God has gifted us not to be spectators, but to be participators, not to be consumers, but to be contributors, that God doesn't want his children just watching others. He wants for his children to discover the gifts that they have. I want you to know that God never intended the church to be a place where you could just show up, sing a few songs, and leave without ever experiencing life change. God never intended for the church to be run by one person. God never intended for the church to be a place where some people are on the sidelines, some people are on the couch. God never intended the church to be a place where you can sit on the couch, watch your iPad, and see other people using their gifts without ever discovering your own. What God dreams the church to be is that every single one of us, you and me, from the greatest to the least, we would discover the supernatural spiritual gifts that we have been given by our Father, and we would stop watching others use theirs, and we would realize that now is the time for us to discover ours. God has given you spiritual gifts. Don't watch others use theirs. Discover how to use yours. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to, I'm going to break this down for you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to do verses 1 through 11 today. And the sermon title is, Who Gets the Gifts? This is so important because many of us, we grew up in churches or denominations or backgrounds where we were not taught about the gifts. We grew up in churches where we were not encouraged to discover our gifts, We grew up in churches where we saw that there were some people who were gifted, and then there was everybody else. There were some people who used the gifts, and then there was you, and there was me, and there were some people who were great and mighty and used by God, and then there was just the rest of us. And we were never told you are special. You were never told you have a purpose. You were never told that you have been gifted, and you have never discovered your spiritual gift. And so you come here today, and you're wondering, do I have a gift? And so the sermon today is going to answer that question. And the first question we're going to ask is this, who gets the gifts? Who gets the gifts? Is it only for the elite? Is it only for those who went to Bible college? Is it only for paid professional ministers? Is it only for evangelists or for missionaries? Is it only for the praying grandmas? Or is it for people like you and me? Who gets the gifts? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 actually tells us. So if you have your Bibles, The first question we're going to ask is, who gets the gifts? Verse 1, now, concerning spiritual gifts, there's the word. That's the whole goal of the series. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Many people are uninformed about the subject of spiritual gifts. Like my daughter Esther, they have settled for watching others use theirs instead of discovering how to use their own. We should be constantly discovering, learning, growing, cultivating in our spiritual gifts. God wants you to know your spiritual gifts. So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. That was non-Christians being led astray. Therefore, I want you to understand 
that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever said Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same spirits. And there are varieties of services, but it's the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in Everyone. The last word of that paragraph is very important to unpacking this entire section of scripture. What's the last word in that paragraph? What does it say? Everyone. Okay, do you know what that word is in the Greek? Everyone. It doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean most. It doesn't mean a few. It means everyone. If you are a Christian, you have received the Holy Spirit. That's why he says no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is an it, and he is a he, he is not an it. Okay, he has emotions and feelings. He is God, very God. The third member of the Trinity, he takes up residence inside of you. He lives inside of you. The moment you profess faith in Christ, you repent of your sins, you give your life to him, you surrender to Jesus, you say Jesus is Lord. The moment that happens, you are indwelt, you are filled with the Spirit, you are sealed by the Spirit in salvation, and you receive access to spiritual gifts. He says, everyone, if you say Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit and you have access to spiritual gifts. Now, I want to show you something that's crazy. I want you to think about this for just a moment, that you have the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a sec. You think your Christian life is boring? You don't understand that you have the Holy Spirit. If you think, oh, this is just church as usual, you don't understand the Holy Spirit. You got to understand that you have God, very God, the creator of the universe residing inside of you. As a Christian, I want you to get something. You have something today that no one in the Old Testament had. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have God, very God, inside of you. If you think back as a student of the Old Testament, what you'll notice is that as the Spirit begins to work, he works on people. So when it talks about in the book of Judges, the Spirit would come upon men like Othniel or women like Deborah, and he would give him super power, supernatural abilities or power, miraculous signs as they judge. The prophets in the book of Exodus, the Spirit would come upon them, and they would begin to prophesy. David or Saul, the great kings, the Spirit would come upon them, and they would prophesy, but the Spirit only rested on them for a moment, and then he was gone. The Spirit only came upon Moses in one chapter. The Spirit only came upon Othniel or for Samson for one moment, for one victory, for one battle. The Spirit only rested on Saul until he sinned, and then God removed his spirit from him. But I want you to understand something. All of those men that you read about, all of those men that you look up to and you read stories and you learn about them in children's church, all of those men look at what you have and they say, how is that even possible? That you today, sitting here at Redemption Church, in this chair, at the 11 o'clock, you have something that not even the greatest saints of the Old Testament have. You have God, very God, inside of you. Amen. See, the Spirit was only on them for a moment. 
the Spirit is in you for a lifetime. And see, in the book of Ezekiel, it actually gives this prophecy where it says, as God's people were falling into sin, into idolatry, into paganism over and over and over again, they're wondering, how do I get out of this curse of sin? How do I get out of these rhythms of sin? How do I live for a purpose? How do I break free from the situations that I am in? And then the prophet Ezekiel, he writes this. God says, I will give you a new heart And in that heart, I will put my spirit in you and I'll remove from you the heart of stone and your heart of flesh and I will give to you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statures and be careful to obey. God says, I will not just rest on people, I will begin to rest inside of people. I will not just empower them from the outside, I will begin to empower them from the inside. I will change them from the inside out. I will live within them so I can be begin to work through them. This is the promise that Jesus has fulfilled for you. That when Jesus comes, he fulfills the new covenant. The sin has been forgiven, that your shame has been removed, and that you profess Jesus is Lord. And then the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. He gifts you. He calls you. He draws you. He seals you. He heals you. And then he reveals himself through you. That's what a spiritual gift is. The definition of a spiritual gift is this. It is the spirit of God being revealed through the people of God. The first word there where he says concerning spiritual gifts, the actual Greek word there is pneumaticos, which means the stuff that the spirit does. So if you have the Holy Spirit, guess what you can expect? The Holy Spirit to do stuff. You've been filled with God. You have been indwelt by God. You have been called by God. You have been enabled by God, saved by God, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this, that if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, which means you also have access to spiritual gifts. From the greatest to the least, you have a spiritual gift. Some of you, you come to church and you don't feel important. I want you to know that's not true. Some of you come to church and you feel like you don't have anything to contribute. That's not true. Some of you feel like you're not special. I want you to know that's not true. You have God, very God, inside of you. If you say Jesus is Lord, you have the Holy Spirit and you have access to spiritual gifts. That means everyone. Okay, That means from the greatest to the least. That's Billy Graham to your Aunt Fanny, spiritual gifts. Right, that's rich and poor and young and old and black and white, Latino, Asian, Democrat, Republican. Right? We have spiritual gifts. If this is your first time, you have a spiritual gift. Welcome to redemption. If you've been following Jesus for 30 years, you have a spiritual gift. Welcome to redemption. If you give your life to Jesus today, you receive a spiritual gift. Welcome to the family. Welcome to redemption. You got the Holy Spirit. You have a spiritual gift, which means that there is a place for you to belong in this church. I want you to understand something. I'm going to try to make it as loud and clear as I can. The church is not built on the gifts of the few, but on the giftedness of the many. The church is not built on the gifts of some, but on the giftedness of everyone. God never intended the church to become a place to where there's one person on the stage, and then there's a bunch of people that show up. 
Right? God never intended the church to be a place where there is just one superstar and then everybody else just sits down. There has never been a time and a season in the church where the mission of God has not moved forward by the giftedness of men and women and children who discover their purpose and live for a reason. The church is not built on the gifts of some, but on the giftedness of everyone. You are important. You are special. You are chosen. You are are filled. You are gifted, which means you have a reason to be here in this church. I want to make it very clear that redemption is a place where everybody is loved by God, where everybody is called by God, and where everybody is gifted by God. Because the church is not built on the gifts of some, but on the giftedness of everyone. Now, does that mean that we all have the same gifts? No, no, no. Paul notices this, and he says, there are a variety of gifts. I want you to look at the language here. He says, there are a variety of gifts. That there is unity in our gifts, but there is not uniformity in our gifts. Okay, the gifts are going to be different. So my grandparents, every year for Christmas, they would buy me and all of my brothers and sisters gifts. Okay, We were raised by my grandparents. I'm the oldest of six. So there's a lot of Christmas gifts given, right? And, and so we'd all get gifts. But all the gifts we got were different, right? I have a sister. She was really big into Lisa Frank. I did not get Lisa Frank for Christmas, praise the Lord. (laughs) Because my grandparents knew, hey, he probably doesn't need this gift. There's another gift that might be good. So I got Street Fighter II Turbo. So that's what I got. There is unity in the gifts, but there is not necessarily uniformity in the gifts. That's why he says there are a variety of gifts. So as we're going to look at it, last week we unpacked 12 gifts. This week we're going to unwrap nine different gifts. And each gift is, is different, but each gift is equally important. So maybe last week, some of you, you have the gift of administration. You're like, I love label makers and organizing things. Praise the Lord for you. Others of you, you have the gift of helps. Both are equally important. There is not one gift that is better or greater than another gift. Hey, they're all important because they all come from the Spirit. So one of you, you might have the gift of evangelism to be very effective in leading people to the Lord. Others of you, you know, you might have the gift of faith that we'll discover today, and you're able to build others up and believe God for amazing things. Some of you, you might have the gift of speaking in tongues. Others of you, you might have the gift of mercy. But they're equally as important. And some of you might not have the gift of tongues, and you've been made to feel your whole life that just because you don't have that gift, you're not important. I want you to know that's not true. Every gift serves a purpose. Every gift has a different reason. But there are a variety of gifts. And God is a father, and he gives generously to his kids. There's a variety of gifts. But then he goes on, and he says, there are varieties of services, that there's different levels of your gifting. That some of you, you will never be on the stage. You will never have these lights shining on you or a microphone. And you know what? That's probably for the best. (laughs) But that doesn't mean you're not important. That doesn't mean when you get to heaven that God's not going to look at you and smile and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You might not ever be on stage, and people might not ever know your name, but the greatest in the kingdom are those that nobody has ever even heard of because they serve behind the scenes, because they use their gifts behind the scenes. There are a variety of gifts, but there's also a variety of of services. And he says also there's a variety of activities. 
which means there's a lot of things to be done. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of responsibilities. There's a lot of ways that you can use your gift. And so some of you, you're going to use your gift very publicly. Others of you, you'll use your gift privately. Some of you, you're going to use your gifts inside the church. Others of you, you're going to use it outside the church. Some of you, you're going to use your gift serving in the children's ministry. Others, you're going to use it in the worship team. Others, in youth. Others, you're going to use it as a greeter. But they're all equally important. Some of you are going to have a great capacity in one level and then a small capacity in another. But then there's going to be somebody else who comes in and fills the gap of that capacity. And then you can meet the need in another's place as well. Some of you, you're going to use your gifts to reach hundreds, maybe even thousands. Some of you, you're going to use your gift to lead dozens, maybe even one. Right, right now, I'm communicating. Okay, I have the gift of teaching. Right? But here's the deal. is I'm not good teaching one-on-one. Okay, but some of you, that's your, your gift. You're a great teacher, and you can sit down and explain things to people one-on-one. Being in front of a crowd really freaks you out. You want nothing to do with it. Okay, but being face-to-face with another person kind of freaks me out. Okay? So we have different varieties of service. We have different varieties of activities, but here's the deal, is they're all gifts that come from God. They're all gifts that come from the Lord. It's the same spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God who empowers them all in who? Everyone. The church is not built on the gifts of some. The church is built on the giftedness of everyone. If you are at redemption, you have the Holy Spirit. God himself lives inside of you. I want you to hold on to this and remember this, because when your Christian faith gets dull or gets boring, you've forgotten this, that you have God, very God, inside of you. You have been saved from your sins. You have been forgiven. You have been sealed with the seal of salvation, and you have been filled with the third member of the Trinity. God, the Spirit, lives in you. The church is not built on the gifts of some, but on you and 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 on the giftedness of everyone. That's what we believe. Which leads to the second question. Why does God give the spiritual gifts? Great question. I'm glad that you asked. I don't know how you know my notes so well. The next question is, why does God give the spiritual gifts? Here's what he says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. To each, that's you and that's me, has been given. That's a spiritual gift. The manifestation, that's the Spirit of God being revealed through the people of God. Why? For the common good. Here, Paul says you've been empowered by the Spirit for the common good. God wants you to know that when you use your gifts, guess what happens? Good things. Good things happen when we use our gifts. See, some people think, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like if we teach the gifts or if we start learning about the gifts, then we're going to end up in this really crazy place. And, well, we can't really talk about it because then everything's going to turn into chaos and all the charismaniacs are going to show up and we're going to start running around with tambourines and flags and banners. Somebody's going to get bopped on the head. They're flopping on the floor like a fish. Pastor Byron's going to take up an offering to buy a jet. And then Ashley's going to be on TV and look like she lost a paintball gun war because that's all I've seen about spiritual gifts. And if we start teaching about spiritual gifts, well, then everything's going to go crazy. That's not what Paul says. Paul says God doesn't give the gifts for crazy. He says he gives the gifts for good. Guess what happens when we learn to use our gifts? Guess what happens when we learn to use our gifts? 
Good things happen when we learn to use our gifts. How many of you would like to see good things? You're like, I'm pro good things. Good things are good. I like good things. Okay, then use your gifts. If you want to see good things, use your gift because good things happen when we use our gifts. Paul says they are given for the common good. I want you to understand that your gift is not just for you. Your gift is for others. That when God gifts you, he gives to you so he can give through you. He wants to be able to bring you into his unfolding plan of redemption to bless and to love and to help and to heal and to serve and to be a blessing for as many people as you can. And then he gives you a gift so that way you can use that gift so you can start to love others. When we use our gifts, good things happen in the church. You want good for your family? Use your gifts. You want good for your marriage? Begin to use your gifts. You want good for your community group? You want good for your serve team? You want good for the church? Use your gifts, because when we use our gifts, good things happen. How many of you think the world could use some good things? You turn on the TV, and it's like bad news, worse news, and oh my God, they did what news? Like It's not good news. But when the church learns to use their gifts, people are loved, people are blessed, more people are reached, more people get saved, more people get baptized, more people get healed, more prayers get answered, more tithes get given, more buildings get purchased, more missionaries get sent, more leaders get raised up, and more life change happens. If we really want to be a church where there's a gospel-centered movement in the heart of the city, where every man, woman, and child experiences life change through Jesus, then guess what we need to do? We need to use our gifts. Because when we use our gifts, he says, a manifestation for the common good. When we use our gifts, good things happen. In a moment, we're actually going to unpack these different gifts. But for now, just let me, let me show you something. I just want to encourage you not to be afraid of the gifts, not to run away from the gifts, but to begin to discover what these gifts are. Because as we just read through it, I mean, the gift of wisdom. Do you think people need wisdom? Hey, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. What about knowledge? Is knowledge a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. What about faith? Do people need to be encouraged, built up in their faith? That's a good thing. Healing, sick people being touched by the Lord, healed. That's a good thing. Miracles, seeing God show up. That's a good thing. Prophecy, hearing from the Lord, being speaking that word to another person is a good thing. Discernment, distinguishing between right and wrong, truth and error, deepening prayer life through the speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues so that way we can be able to share the message of Jesus with anyone that we can. Are these good things or bad things? These are good things. So don't be afraid of the gifts and don't try to tell God what, he, what is good when he determines what's really good. I meet people, you're afraid of the gifts. You're afraid of discovering these gifts because you think if you discover them, then all of a sudden you're going to end up in some weird place. That's not true. These gifts come from God and they're good. Don't tell God what's good. Let God tell you what's good. God says, these gifts are for your good. They're for my church. They're for my children. They're for the building up of the body of Christ so that together you can begin to make a difference. These gifts are for the common good. And when we all learn to use our gifts, guess what happens? Good things. Which leads us to the big question that you all have been dying to know. Well, what are these spiritual gifts? Last week, we unpacked 12 of them. Today, we're going to unwrap nine gifts Just like Ryan opening up all the gifts on YouTube, this is what we want to do, right? We want to unbox these gifts, but not so that you can watch others use them, 
but so that way you can discover yours so you can learn how to use the gifts that God has given you as well. Each one of you has at least one of these gifts, probably more gifts, and the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you're gonna discover that you have differing gifts. Right? Whenever I first became a Christian, I received a couple of different gifts. I've been following Jesus now for 12 years, and I would say throughout this list, I probably have about four, maybe six of these that operate on a regular basis in my life. Because as you grow in your faith, you will begin to grow in your gifts. As you grow in the spirit, you will discover that the spirit loves to give gifts. And then he'll continue to work through you. So I want you to pray. I want you to look at each of these gifts. And as you desire the gift, what I want you to do, I'm going to connect each gift to an opportunity to serve in our church. And so what I want you to do is there's a connect card in your seat. As I go through the gift, if you think, oh, I think that might be me, or I really want that gift, or, oh, I've been praying for that, then I want you to write it right here in the box. And then as you turn it in between services, our serve team and our leaders of the church are going to pray over you all week long, and then we're going to send out a place that you can use your gift here in the church for the common good. Last week, we did the ordinary gifts out of Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. Today, we're going to do what most call the extraordinary gifts or the miraculous gifts or the sign gifts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And before we dive in, if I could just remind you what we discussed on week one of this sermon series. The goal of this series is not to debate the gifts. The goal of the series is to discover the gifts. If you want to debate the gifts, hey, Ethan would love to do that with you. But if you want to discover the gifts, Ethan would love to help you with that too. Here we go. I'm going to read it all, and we're going to unpack the nine sign gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You guys ready? Here we go. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, for to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The first one we're going to unwrap is the gift of wisdom. The person who has the gift of wisdom has the ability to be able to untie the proverbial knots of life, that they're able to look at complex and difficult situations, and they're able to give timely answers to be able to help people navigate through tough choices, tough decisions that they have to make. Right, so this is a person who, when you're just lost or you're confused or you're struggling to make a decision, then you can go to them, and as they're praying for you, all of a sudden, the Spirit just gives them the answer. And it's not just answers that would come from them or come from man, but it's answers that you know that comes from the Lord. Right, this, is, this is the gift of wisdom. It's an utterance of wisdom. Have you ever been talking to somebody, maybe in counseling or maybe in a community group, and you have this big life decision that you have to make, and you don't know what to do, and as you're sharing that, all of a sudden, they just say, oh, hey, how about this? And then, boop, I'll, oh, there's the answer. How did you know that? Where'd you figure that out at? And they're like, I don't know. I was just praying. We were talking, and I just felt like that was what the Lord might have for you to do. Anybody ever have something like that happen? In mind-blowing, life-changing advice that did not come from the person you were actually talking to? Right, that's probably the gift of wisdom at work. Right, see, most problems that you face can be answered by the Bible. Right? I mean, you can just go to the Bible and people are like, I don't know, should I go to church today? 
The Bible's like, yes, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Do not forsake the assembling of the gathering, like go to church. That's important. You're like, I don't know. Should I tithe? Well, the Bible says, yes, you should do that. Like, should I, should I sleep with my girlfriend? Uh, no, it's, don't do that. That's not right. Should I quit my job and smoke crack? The answer is, uh, no, don't do that. Right? <laughs> you don't need wisdom for that. You just need your Bible. But there are some things that the Bible doesn't really answer. Like, should you take a job in Arizona or should you keep working for your company? That's where wisdom comes in. There was a guy in our church a, a couple of years ago. He had just gotten out of rehab and he was living in one of the sober homes here in the area. And there's a whole bunch of other guys who all got saved around the same time and they were baptized together. And, and they all started getting opportunities for new jobs. And he had this opportunity to go, I think it was to Ohio or something. And one day we were serving in the church and setting up and tearing down. And he said, you know, Pastor, I think I have this job lined up in, in Ohio. And I'm praying. I think I'm really going to take it. And I, I paused. And as we're un, you know, loading trailers and stacking chairs, I just looked at him and I said, you want to live under the blessings of God. Wherever God's blessing, that's where you need to go. And that spoke to him because he got saved in this church. He got baptized in this church. His marriage was restored in this church. He was delivered in this church. He was in a community group in this church. And everything that kept coming through the church just kept blessing and blessing his life. So he turned down the job. And today, he's starting the process to become an elder and pastor here at Redemption. That's the word of wisdom. I'm not smart enough to say something like that. But it comes from the Lord. People with this gift are a wonderful gift to the church. Like, if you have this gift, please fill out a Connect card. We would love to begin training you for a community group leader because there's a lot of people in our church who need a lot of wisdom, and we could totally use your help. The next gift is the gift of knowledge. Hey, if you have this gift, you love reading books and blogs. If you have this gift, you love books without pictures. If you have this gift, you love books with footnotes. You read things by dead guys. You love studying systematic theologies. Footnotes get you excited. Libraries are your happy place. If you have that gift, you probably have the gift of knowledge. Like You can stay up all night arguing the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism and Molinism and not lose your salvation while doing it. That was a theology joke as well. If you understood it, you probably have the gift of knowledge. Like If somebody's ever come up to you and say, I have a question, you're like, I love questions. Shoot, let me have it. I have lots of answers. Like, if God made everything, who made God? And you're like, let me tell you about ontological subordinationism within the Trinity. <laughs> if that's you, you probably have the gift of knowledge. This is a wonderful gift in the church. Like this gift is so important because it protects doctrine, it protects theology, it builds um, procedures and policies for the church, it establishes ground rules and order, it builds people up, it trains future leaders. This gift keeps the mission of God moving forward for generations to come. What a wonderful gift this is. If you have this gift, please let us know. Write knowledge on the Connect card. We're going to be starting training elders and missionaries in 2020, starting an unaccredited Bible college. We would love for you to get in. We would love to help develop the gift of knowledge. The next gift we have is the gift of faith. All right, this is a powerful gift in the church. These people, you're like divine optimists. You're like cheerleaders for Jesus. You have the gift of faith. Right, I don't know if you know this or not, but people tend to be pretty negative. Right, have you been around people lately? Like they tend to be pretty negative. They're all like blue and they're like, oh, I prayed and God doesn't answer prayers. You're like, what? 
course he answers prayers. Oh, he doesn't answer my prayers. I, oh, you know, I just tried and didn't work. And I guess God's not going to show up. And I'm kind of on my own. Now, theologically, I wouldn't say that. But practically, that's exactly what I believe. God doesn't really help. A person with a gift of faith, they're like, hey, knock it off. Because God's still on his throne. And he can still do anything that he wants. Because God is alive. And we can do this. Like, that's the gift of faith. Right, they're, they're, they get to faith, they're like cheerleaders for Jesus. You're like, rah, rah, re, kick Satan in the knee. Come on, we got this. <laughs> That's the gift of faith. And this is such an encouraging gift because as a pastor, whenever I believe that God's given me a vision, people with the gift of faith come around and they're like, we can do it. It's possible. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? Anything's possible for those who believe. You got to believe. We got to believe. We got to believe. So when I'm like, hey, we're doing heart for the house. We're going to raise $20,000 in year in giving to set us up for success in 2020, invest in kids ministry, launch a youth group. We're going to invest in digital discipleship. 2020 is going to be our year. We're raising 20K for heart for the house. Everybody's like, $20,000 in one day? Really? That's kind of a lot. People with the gift of faith are like, $20,000 ain't nothing for my God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's going to sell two cows, three cows. Why stop at $20,000? let us go for $2 I'm like, praise the Lord for you. I love you so much. That's the gift of faith. These people are such an encouragement to the church because they're the ones who inspire people to believe for the impossible. We want our church to do things that are impossible. We want our church to see things that only God can do. And that's going to take us to have the faith. The people with the gift of faith, they encourage us. They're like a dose of you know, energy into the church where you're like, we can do it. It's great. That's the gift of faith. The next is the gift of healing. If you have the gift of faith, my personal cell phone number is 409. No, I'm just kidding. But be an encourager to everyone that you meet if you have the gift of faith. The next one is the gift of healing. Now, I want you to understand something. At Redemption, we believe in healing. We believe that God can, God does, God wants to, and God will still heal people. We have seen people in our church be healed. We believe in healing. We pray for healing every single week. We have a prayer team that come forward after the service, and they lay hands, and they pray over people who are sick, who are injured. We do it every single week. Whatever cause it is, we would love to be able to pray for you. Everything from cancer to backaches to headaches, whatever it is, we pray for all of it. And just like the book of James says, to come forward, let the elders of the church anoint you with oil and pray that you might be healed. We believe that God can, God does, God wants to, and God will still heal. We've even seen this happen in our church. We have one guy who had a broken back, came forward for prayer, laid hands on him, back brace came off, got cleared by the doctor, was running a 5K by the end of the month. It happens. Another person had hepatitis, other bloodborne illnesses, received prayer, totally cleared by the doctor. We've seen this happen in our church. It's a real thing. It's a legit thing. Now, does it happen all the time? No. I can't explain why it doesn't happen, but here's what the gift of healing knows. The more people I pray for, the more people I see get healed. Right? If you don't pray for anybody, guess how many people you're going to see healed? Zero. But if you do pray for people, and the more often you pray for them, there's a divine confidence that is built up inside of you to where you don't get discouraged when you don't see the results, but you have the faith and the prayers to continue pressing on. And the more people you pray for, the more people you see be healed. We've seen that. But it also says here the gifts of healing. 
I want you to understand something, that people don't heal people. God heals people. And it's God working through that person that brings the healing to another. Right? See, it's God's responsibility to heal. It's our responsibility to pray. So for those of you who are praying for healing for people, don't get so personally involved in it. Okay, because it's God is the one who heals. It's his responsibility to heal. All he asks is for you to pray for people. That's it. And the more people we pray for, the more people get healed. But he says this. He says it's a, it's a gifts of healing. It's actually in the plural. There's multiple ways in which God heals. There's physical healing. There's inner healing, emotional healing, mental healing. I mean, we've seen people with you know, bipolar disorder who came forward for prayer. God rebalanced the chemicals in their brain. And now today, they don't take medication anymore. Now they got cleared by the doctor. Hey, they went to the doctor. And the doctor's like, oh, you think God healed you of bipolar? That's what bipolar people say. <laughs> and they said, well, give me six months. And by the end of it, if you think I still need to take this medicine, then I'll, I'll continue taking it. And then the doctor cleared them. They're done. God rebalanced the chemicals in their brain. It happens. That's a mental, emotional. We've seen inner healing, bitterness, wounds, abuse, molestation, grief, shame, all of that just removed from a person's soul. That's an inner healing. There's multiple ways in which heals. And then God also heals through common grace, which is through medical uses and practices. So don't be like, oh, I think God's going to heal me, and then quit taking your medication. Don't do that. Right? Go to the physician. Go to the great physician. Do both. And people with the gift of healing, they, they're able to do that for us as a church. So if you have this gift, we would love to train and develop you. Our prayer team is always looking for people, especially at the 530 service. So gifts of healing. Next is the gift of miracles. This is a person who has the ability to pray and see God show up with power. Okay, they pray for power in the church. They pray for things that only God can do. They pray that Redemption Church would have a story where only God gets the glory. That there would be things that happen week in, week out in our church to where when people look at redemption, they would say, those people can't do that. There must be something else involved. That is the gift of miracles. When these people pray, power happens. That's the gifts of, of, of miracles. Right, we need to see this in the church. If there's one thing that I pray for, this is what I pray for. I want to see miracles here at Redemption. We've seen them on levels, but I haven't seen them at the level that I want. Because when I read the Bible, I just think, oh my God, through the Gospel of Mark, every single page, there's a healing, a miracle. There's something going on. And then when I look into the church today, I say, where is that at? I want to see God show up in power, in mighty ways where only God gets the glory. That's the gift of power. That's the... Gifts of miracles. If you have this gift, hey, Wednesday night prayer, first Wednesday night prayer, every single month, we're believing God for amazing things. And the next is the gift of prophecy. Now, this one gets a lot of attention. So let me give you a good definition for it. There's a guy, his name's Sam Storms. He writes, I believe, the best book over the spiritual gifts. It's called Practicing the Power, Welcoming the Gifts of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. And here's what he says. Okay, because of the confusion, the chaos, and the controversy that surrounds the gift of prophecy, he says, prophecy is a human report of divine revelation. That's it. It's not weird. No, thus saith the Lord. Right, there is no King James prayers, right? All it is is a human report of divine revelation that you hear from God, and then you just tell people what you heard. That's, that's prophecy in a nutshell that we listen to what God says, and then we share that with people that he gives us the word to. 
Right? It's not crazy. It's not fancy. It's not weird. We just listen to God, and then we just tell people what it is that we heard God say. Now, it's always done in humility, and so we're not going to go around and say, like, God says. No, 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 no. That's Old Testament prophecy. Okay, and if you want to do Old Testament prophecy, we'll judge you based on an Old Testament prophet, and if they were wrong, they got stoned. Okay, and not like the stoning they do in Colorado when you're in college. <laughs> Different kind of stoning. New Testament prophecy is a divine revelation shared with another person. And it's always done so in humility. And so you say things like this, I feel as if the Lord, or I got an impression for the Lord, or I had a dream, or I had a vision, and I wanted to share that with you. Can I do that? Will you receive that? Let's pray about that. It's always done in humility as you go along with it. So let me give you a story just to show you kind of how it happens. Sometimes I operate in this gift. Not very frequently, but sometimes I do. And so the other day, I was uh, praying, and I had a, had a vision, and I don't ever have those. And it was like a dream, but you're awake. And there was a woman in our church who she had two babies. And I thought, she ain't never having babies again. No, she done. She done. And so I was like, this is weird. So I began to pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to, 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 to do with this, to pray about this? So I spent all week praying about it. And then when I saw her, I felt as if the Lord had given me a word for her. So I walked up to her and I said, hey, I, I had a vision, dream. Can I share this with you? And she was like, yes, please do that. And so I said, OK, you, you, you had two you had two babies, twins. And she was like, I'm not having kids. <laughs> and I said, no, but as I was praying about it, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you that he's calling you to be a mother to young women in our church, a spiritual mother. And he's wanting to raise you up as a spiritual mother so you can start making disciples out of the young women in our church. And she began to cry. She said, that's so amazing that you said that because just last week, that's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. So I reached out to two women in the church and we're going to go have coffee this week. And it was just an encouraging word to confirm what the Lord had already been speaking into her. See, God loves you so much. He wants to be able to build the body through the words and through the spoken word of God. That's it. It's not weird. It's not crazy. It's just an encouraging word from the Lord to remind you that you're not alone. That's the gift of prophecy. If you have this gift, sign up to serve. Write it down. We would love to help cultivate and to develop it. But there is something important that goes along with it. And it's what's known as the gift of discernment, which is the next one, or the distinguishing between spirits. You need to know that not every prophetic word actually comes from God. See, the book of Thessalonians in 1 John says we're to test the spirits. That's what distinguishing between spirits is, that not every word actually comes from God. There are false teachers. There are false miracles. There is counterfeit miracles. There is signs and wonders. And then there is demonic works in the world. And the person with the gift of discernment is able to distinguish between the two. Distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil, holy spirit, unclean, unholy spirits, or demons. That's the gift of distinguishing between spirits or the gift of discernment. These people, they're like an early warning signal to the church. Right? Whenever people come in and they want to bring division in the church, uh-oh, gift of discernment time. Oh, hey, something's off here. Something's wrong here. Have you ever met someone and you're like, ah, I just can't put my finger on it, but there's something not right there? That might be the gift of distinguishing between spirits working. If you meet somebody and everybody's like, they're amazing, and everybody's enamored by them, and then you're like, ah, I don't know what it is, but I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't know. I feel it in my gut. You ever had that gut? Okay, that gut might be the Holy Spirit. That's the distinguishing between spirits, letting you know that something is off here, something's not right. But sometimes people use this gift, and they just say, ah, oh, I don't like anybody. 
They're like, I have the gift of discernment and all of you are terrible. <laughs> no, you're a jerk. <laughs> if everyone's de demon possessed, you might not be distinguishing between the right spirits. Maybe you have the spirit if everyone else has. No, 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 no. You can't use this gift to be a jerk. You can't be like, I have the gift of discernment, so I don't like them, and I don't like them, and I don't like them. No, 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 that's not how it works. If everyone's wrong and you're the only one right, you're probably just a jerk, and you don't have discernment. But this gift is so important to the church. So let me give you a story. Y'all been good? So let me share a story with you. Whenever we were planting our church up in New York, we were like young, 26-year-old church planters up in New York, planting a church in a bar. We were upstairs. And man, we were just filled on Red Bull and the Holy Ghost. And we were just praying for everybody up there. And as we're praying for people, and the church is growing, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts praying for everybody. And then we notice that there's this woman praying for people. And we didn't think much of it, because we were young and we were naive. And as this woman was praying for people, over a couple of weeks, we started getting some complaints, like this woman's kind of weird. So we were like, OK, well, let's, let's address this. And we go up to her and we say, hey, uh, what church did you come from? She said, church? I'm not from a church. I'm a witch. We said, oh. They're like, I, I was sent here to, to cast spells over people. There was a voice in my head, a demon, told me to come here and start praying over people, casting spells and incantations on you. We said, oh, this is why the gift of discernment's important. That was the day we learned about the gift of discernment. So at Redemption Church, if someone comes up to pray for you and they do not have one of these prayer team badges, you do not let them pray for you. If you don't know who they are, if they're not in your community group, if they're not on your serve team and they're not on the prayer team and you don't know them, don't let them pray for you because you don't know where they're at. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're talking about. You don't know who they are. And I would be very careful just allowing people, especially in the church setting, just to walk up and speak prophetic words to you and walk up and start speaking other words to you. If it's really from the Lord, then they would be humble enough to be able to do it along with the prayer team. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I would love to pray for you, you say, great, we have a prayer team. Could you come do it with the prayer team? And if they say no, they're rebellious and they're unwilling to submit to the authority of the church. And then you don't let them pray for you. Because listen, Jesus says, where two or three witnesses are gathered together, there I am in your name. And if they want to pull you into a corner and pray for you isolated and alone, don't let that happen. Especially young women. I've seen it too often in charismatic churches that there are certain types of men who have found ways to prey on young women through prophetic words. Where they'll go up to a young woman and say, I have a word from the Lord for you. I believe I have something for the Lord for you. I see you. You're like a flower in a field. And start saying all these really nice, sweet words. Hey, let's go over here. Let me hug you and pray for you. And then they get the girl alone, isolated from everybody else. That's a wolf at the gate. That's a sheep in the garden. Or that's a snake in the garden. The gift of discernment can distinguish between those things. There is to be order in the church. And there is a proper way in which the church is to do things. And this is for the protection of the people in our church. And so if everyone's trying to pull you in different directions, or you just want to run around and start doing different things, that's not the way we do things here. And so if you have the prophetic word or a prayer that you believe that God's calling you to pray for someone else, okay, there is an orderly way in which we do things. Find an elder in the church. Find somebody on the prayer team or a deacon. But don't let people just drag you off into the corner and be so naive to think everybody has your best interests in mind, because that's just not true. That's why we have the gift of distinguishing between spirits, because there are sheep and there are wolves.
There is right, there is wrong. There is good, there is evil. There is the Holy Spirit, there are unholy spirits as well. That's the gift of discernment. Now, tongues. <laughs> if you have the gift of tongues, can you pray for me? Because I'm already running over time. And now I have to teach about the gift of tongues. Okay, the gift of tongues is whenever a person prays in an unknown language, a language that is unknown to them, but it is a language that is oftentimes a heavenly language, or it's their spirit praying directly to the Lord as a praise and a thanksgiving. So what confuses most people about the gift of tongues is that there's actually three different ways that the gift of tongues is used. That's why he says right here, various tongues. Okay, so there's three. There's the missionary prayer language, where a person who doesn't know a language is empowered by the spirit to speak someone else's language. Okay, this happens. We find it in Acts chapter 2, but we also have a missionary that this has happened to. A missionary reached out to us, asked the question. He said that he's in um, the, the Middle East overseas, and it says he's in a prayer meeting. The Lord enabled him to speak Farsi. He doesn't speak Farsi, but as he was praying, the person across from him began crying, said, how did you learn Farsi? He said, I don't know, but the Lord enabled him in that moment to give a praise or a thanksgiving in a language that he did not know. I have no reason to doubt the guy. I believe that it happens. The next one is the public prayer language. This is to be taking place in a corporate setting as a church. This is when a person begins to speak in tongues publicly, and it's always followed by an interpretation within the church. Now, as far as I know, we do not have the gift of interpretation in our church. So this gift is to be reserved for first Wednesday prayer nights, early morning prayer, our intercessory team in the back, or at our community groups. The public use of tongues. Because what he says in 1 Corinthians 14 is that I would rather speak four words with my mind than 10,000 words in a tongue. Because when unbelievers are present in the room, I want them to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and not to think, you people are crazy. And so what we do at the church here is we reserve this gift for first Wednesdays. We reserve it for community groups, for our intercessory team, because on Sunday mornings, it's for the preaching of the word. It's for worship, communion, and reaching the lost. That's what our Sunday morning gathering's for. But this gift happens in our community groups. My community group, I mean, we pray in tongues all of the time, and it is a beautiful, wonderful, absolutely incredible thing. As we're praying over one another, we feel the spirit of God. And then one person jumps in and is able to begin to speak truth and love and praise and thanksgiving. It is a wonderful thing. Our intercessory prayer team in the back, they are like the thermostat for our church. It is just prayer and prayer and prayer, deep, intense prayer all the time. Right now, we have six women who are in the back praying over our church in the services. Right now, we do it all day long. We do it in our early morning prayers. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's the gift of tongues. And then there's also the private tongues. This is what I have. I have a private prayer language between me and God that I use to pray. Now, I can tie my shoe. I'm not crazy, but I do speak in tongues. It was one of the first gifts that God ever gave me. I was a brand new Christian. I was struggling with my faith. I didn't know what I, what I believed. I said, God, I don't know if I believe in you. I'm really wrestling, struggling. So I took my papa's truck, and I drove to the church because that's where God lived. And as I pull up into the church, I'm arguing, fighting, praying, you know, figuring out who God is. I say, God, if you're real, you need to reveal yourself to me. Show me. Just do something. And immediately, I began to pray in tongues. That's how I received the gift. You don't have to just have somebody lay hands on you all the time. It could come in your shower. It could come in your papa's truck. You just pray over the gift, and you ask God to say, God, is this a gift you would have for me? And then he maybe gives you that gift, which leads to the last gift, the gift of interpretation. 
This is when you're able to hear a tongue and you're able to deliver it to another person, whatever that is. Okay, that's interpretation. And it always works with the gift of tongues. They're like buddies, okay? Tongues and interpretation. That's the nine gifts of 1 Corinthians 12. You guys still with me? How is that? Good? Hopefully, I'm able to demystify the gifts, give you an opportunity to where you can understand them, explain them in a way that it makes sense, so that way you can discover your gift. What I find so incredible is this, that God has given every single one of us a gift. There are varieties of gifts, but they're available for everyone. There are varieties of services, but they're available for everyone. There are varieties of activities, but they're available for everyone, which means for us as a church, we got to stop watching others use theirs and it's time for us to discover how to use yours. Which leads to the last question as we wrap up. Question is this, how do I discover my spiritual gifts? Verse 11, and all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God never intended the church to be a place where some watch and others do. He always meant for the church to be a place where everybody works together. God never intended the church to be a place where, where some people participate and others spectate, where some people consume and others contribute. God never intended a church to be a place where some people watched others use their gift and did not discover how to use their own. God always meant for the church to be a place where everyone has an important part and role to play. I want you to look at this word. Look at this word. It says, he apportions to each one individually as he wills. See, God is willing to give the gifts. The question is, are you willing to use yours? He is willing to give the gifts. The question is, are you willing to use yours? In the back, in the lobby, there's a whole wall filled with every single one of these gifts. And people, after each service, take a gift. There's a Bible study on the back. There is descriptions, definitions, places for you to use your gift and serve. And every single week, I see such anxiety and trepidation on people's faces as they're fearful about discovering their gift. I don't know if I want to take that gift. I don't know if I want to claim that gift. I don't know if I want to have that gift. I'm not sure if I have that gift. I'm going to have to go home, and I'm going to have to pray about it first. Okay, I want you to know I love you, but that's not the way that this works that you don't discover your gift, then serve. You serve, and then you discover your gift. That you discover your gift as you step out. Remember, he's willing to give you the gift, but are you willing to step out? Are you willing to, to have faith? Are you willing to trust? Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to risk? Because your gift is on the other side of your risk. Your gift is on the other side of your risk. He is willing to give you the gift, but are you willing to use that gift? Your gift is on the other side of your risk. Just think about it. How are you ever going to discover that you have the gift of wisdom if you never give somebody wisdom? How are you going to discover that you have the gift of knowledge if you never read a book? How are you going to discover that you don't have the gift of prophecy if you never silence yourself long enough to listen to the voice of God? How are you going to learn that you don't have the gift of tongues unless you pray for it? You don't know. Maybe you got it. You don't even know it. Just pray for it. How are you going to know that you have the gift of faith unless you put yourself in impossible situations? So many people, you're waiting for your gift to come to you when God says, hey, the gifts are for you. Go do something. Your gift is right there on the other side of your risk. If you want to discover the gift, put down the iPad, get off the couch, get in the game, go do something. 
Because God never intended for the church to be a place where some people are spectators and other people are participators. He has given you the Holy Spirit. God, very God, lives inside of you. You have been forgiven of your sins. You have been set free from the bondage that holds you back. You have been delivered. You have been called by name. You have been chosen, elected before the foundations of the world. God gave you himself. Don't waste that. Use that. God never intended for anyone to be second class in the church. God never intended for any of you to just show up when God really wants to show off through your life. God wants you to discover your gift. Don't spend your whole life watching other people do what God has called you to do. God has given you a gift. You have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. And then he has given you the Holy Spirit, to reside inside of you. And just like my daughter Esther, as a father, I want her to discover her gifts. For you and for our church, God, our Heavenly Father, wants for us to discover our gifts. Because when we discover our gifts, that's when the church begins to make a difference. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Oh!